You know, last week we looked at a story, and I thought it was a standalone message. I love the anointing of God and just the way He can direct us. I thought I was preaching one Sunday, and that was kind of it. And there was a verse or a description at the end of that sermon that I just couldn't get out of my heart. If you remember last week, we looked at the Israelites, and, and they, were, they went to the promised land. They, they, they sampled the goods. They rejected what God was offering because they were afraid. We looked at a verse later in Numbers where they were complaining because they didn't have the very things that, that were in their hands. They were complaining because they wanted pomegranates and grapes, and God had already given them that like 40-some years ago or, or almost 40 years ago, but they rejected it. And in the midst of that story, we met some people, and there was, recall the story, Moses is leading the Israelites, and they come to the land that God has promised them, and he sent 12 spies into the land, and for 40 days they went and looked around. And remember, we talked about what they got, they brought uh, grapes that they had to carry between two men, they all sampled the goods after these 40 days, yet the people were afraid of the giants, Right? And so the description that I want to push into today is the way that God described Caleb. Because Caleb and Joshua were two of the twelve. And they said, you know what? It doesn't matter what what giants are in that land. Because God who was with us is greater. And so in Numbers 14, God described Caleb this way. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit... And follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. When God looked at Caleb and the way that Caleb responded to the the trial that was set before him or the giants in which he saw, he saw someone who he described as having a different spirit. I want to press in to to my my whole sermon title today is called this. It's called Different Spirit, a different spirit. What what does it mean? I mean, really, what, what the difference in Caleb was his confidence was in Yahweh, not his way. His confidence was in God, not in himself. And it revealed something different from him. In the Old Testament, I want to look at another story of a man who is, who is described potentially with a different spirit. So we're going to fast forward now from, from when they go into the promised land, um, about a thousand years, almost a thousand years. Now Israel, we talk about Israel, they got their ups and downs, they got their problems. At this point, they've had a church split, and they've gone their separate directions, and they've been exiled. They've been kicked out of Jerusalem. I mean, that's, that's all that's gone on. The northern kingdom, southern kingdom, they've gone different ways. They've been in exile, and they've been brought back out of exile. Um, the story I want to tell, you can find it kind of in Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, some of those books. Uh, we're also going to read a prophecy that comes from the book of Zechariah. But what happens is they come back to town, and when they come back to Jerusalem, there's a problem. Everything's been destroyed. And so there's nowhere for them to go to church is the problem when they get back to town. Like they want to figure out where can they worship their God. They've been in exile for a long time. The only thing they want is to be able to go sit and listen to Pastor Steve preach a really good sermon that Sunday. And they can't do it because there's nowhere for him to preach. And so what happens is there's two people. Joshua is the head of the priests and Zerubbabel. Roy taught me how to pronounce that, by the way. Um, Zerubbabel, he was, he was the governor. He was, he was given a task. And guess what his task was? His job was to rebuild the temple. 
Now, if you look at what was, you want to talk about an intimidating task. The temple that was, was adorned. You, you can read about it. I mean, it was this elaborate thing. And so Zerubbabel sets out to rebuild this temple. Ezra chapter 3. Joshua, son of Josedek, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of God, uh, of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundations. They sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. I don't need verse 4. I put it in there by accident. But verse 3 says, despite what? Their what? What caused Israel to miss out on the promise that God had for them? It was their fear, right? The fear of men. So Zerubbabel is, is dealing with People who are plotting to, to prevent him literally from rebuilding the temple. They don't want the people who are there, the townsgoers, the ones who came in and liked things the way they were. They didn't want him rebuilding the temple. And so they, they, they tried to scheme and actually they, they almost deceived and got to be a part of it and almost uh, sabotaged the process is what we see. But, but the reality is Zerubbabel is in a position where he has a choice to make. And Zechariah prophesies about this position. Now, there's, there's a whole bunch in this that I can't even scratch the surface of this morning. This is a prophecy that comes to Zechariah. An angel talked with me and returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there's two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered me, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So Zerubbabel has this giant task set before him to rebuild the tabernacle, to rebuild the temple of God. And the, prophet, the, the prophecy that comes to him is that, you know what? There are obstacles in the way. There are things to be afraid of. But the prophet's encouragement to him is what? It isn't going to happen by your might. This isn't going to happen by your power. But how is this going to happen? Whose spirit? The spirit of God. That's a different spirit that was going to be with Zerubbabel to accomplish the task that was set before him. Haggai chapter 2 talks about this just a little bit. The Lord, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Sometimes you wonder why you pick all these verses to read because they got all these crazy names. You say Zerubbabel ten times this morning and see how your tongue feels. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, in the high priest. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. There was fear, there was concern of what might be taking place, but be strong, because I'm with you. This is what I coveted with you 
when you came up out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, once I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I read this. The promise is to the, to the architect. The promise is to the one building that there probably is hearing the rumors that his tabernacle isn't as good as what was. We used to get to sit on gold and we get to whatever else and this one we got to sit on wood. I mean, whatever it might have been, it wasn't measuring up. I know where I'm preaching today, so I got to calm myself down right now. So he's tasked with rebuilding the temple. In the Old Testament, what is the point of the temple? It's where the presence of God dwells, correct? And the promise is, no matter how afraid you are, the temple in which you're building, it may not be as ornate as the one that was, but the one that you're building right now, the glory will be much greater than what was. Today, in our, I'm going to use a big word, ecclesiastical, our church calendar, is a day in which we set apart to remember the day of Pentecost. It's a day in which we say that God did what? He birthed the church. It's where the church came forth from what's God. It's where the temple, right? I'm going to read something. I'm going to read Acts chapter 2. We're going to read a lot in this. I'm going to pause a couple times. When the day of Pentecost came, this is now we're fast forwarding another 500 years. Sorry, you guys, we've gone through like 1,500 years. I know you're, you're tired, but that's what we've done. We fast forwarded like 1,500 years this morning. You can pat yourselves on the back. When the day of Pentecost came, this is after Jesus was crucified after he rose from the dead 50 days, Pentha, 50 days after the resurrection. They were all together in one place, and suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I want to pause there. Why did we see fire in the Old Testament? Remember, the fire, it resided on the mountain when God's presence was there. Remember the fire in the bush that didn't burn up that we talked about a little bit last week with Moses? It was signifying that that was holy ground, that God was there. Remember the tabernacle when they built it, the pillar of, uh, uh, of cloud or the, or, or, or the pillar of fire, the, the cloud of smoke that was there? The presence of God is denoted by fire in Scripture. And so why did I talk about Zerubbabel? That was a great story. Thanks, Pastor. But the reality was I want to talk about a different spirit. And Zerubbabel was intentional about rebuilding the temple. But on the day of Pentecost, God did something remarkable 
by designated everyone in that room as what? A temple. You see, something new was coming. There was a different spirit that we're going to talk about that is being revealed. And what he's saying is the glory that's going to come through this new tabernacle, this new temple, is greater than the glory that was before. I love this stuff. He sends fire to everyone in that room. To say to each one, you are where my presence dwells. You are the place in which my presence is. It says in verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of them hears in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia. The easiest one in the whole list I have to mess up. Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. I want to talk about a different spirit today. Remember Peter's story? i got to pause right here on Peter. About 50 plus days ago, what happened with Peter's mouth? 50 plus days ago, Peter's standing by a campfire. Jesus has been arrested. And who speaks to him? A servant girl, a little girl, depends on which translation you're reading, talks to him. What controls Peter's words? Fear. Fast forward 50 plus days. I love looking at Peter because there's something different about him. Of all the people that would stand up likely in this moment. Like, yeah, there were people that were amazed. They were bewildered. They were perplexed. All those words came up. But then they started to do what? Dude, those are a bunch of drunk fools. If anyone's going to talk in this moment, I'm guessing Peter would be be nudging James or, or John and saying, hey, it's your moment, it's your time to shine. But Peter has a different spirit because of what's happening in Acts chapter 2. And what does he do? I'm guessing these dudes were more, uh, were scarier, <laughs> were, were larger than the servant girl at the campfire. But Peter stands up. He raises his voice. He doesn't just say, Psst. If anybody can hear me, I'll just tell you what's going on. 
Peter stands up. It says, he raises his voice. There is a different spirit in Peter. He addresses the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem. How loud is dude talking? He's trying to talk to all of Jerusalem right now. He couldn't answer a servant girl just a few days ago, and now he's trying to talk to all of Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This prophecy came about five to six hundred years ago. Right around the time they rebuilt the temple. There was a promise that was given for the people of God. There was a promise that the prophet gave. And, and Peter, now, now he didn't have time to study this. Empowered, because he had a different spirit, he began to say, the prophet Joel promised us, us promised us this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all who? Who? He's going to pour it on all people. In the last days, Joel said, there's going to be a time where I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and, and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And verse 21 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, before he left, he said to his disciples, wait. Because the promise is coming. Wait, because I'm going to send the counselor and advocate to you. Acts chapter 1, they were waiting. Wait, and you'll be, what? Endued with power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Fifty days, and, and, and they experienced the promise that God has, has made. A promise that he made 500 years ago, or a promise that he made 60 days ago through Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit was coming. In those days, young men will do what? Dream dreams. Old men will see visions. You know what? I got to thinking, where am I in this spectrum now? I think I'm dreaming visions and seeing dreams or something right now. You know what I mean? The promise that God has made to us. The promise that he wants to fulfill in our lives. In those days, if those were the last days, what days are we living in? Huh? We're still in the last days. I'm not trying to be some, some, some end time prophet, but if, if the end time was revealed, if, if what happened in, in Acts chapter 2 was indicative of the prophecy that Joel gave, I, I have to say that if those were the last, there can't be a later last. 
That I'm still living in the last days. And in the last days, God promised to do what? Pour his spirit on who? So, if I'm living in the last days, I'm part of all. Should I not have a different spirit? Should my spirit not be different in the world around me? You see, one of the problems that we had in the Old Testament, one of the problems that we have today is that there's too many uh, of us that aren't living with a different spirit. We're too busy living with my spirit, not his spirit. We're too busy doing things my way, not his way. The promise that we're remembering, the celebration that we have as a church today is, is that God has poured his spirit on all people. That's you and I. That's us in these days. We have the promise that his spirit has come upon us. It's a promise that says in, in Coloss- or Corinthians, that's 1 Corinthians, sorry, Chapter 12, that to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, these are the gifts of the Spirit. Now, now, Courtney, I don't know if you saw it. There's a lot of gifts here. There's the gifts of the church, right? And they're all for Courtney today. And baby Sherlock. Sorry, Tanner, you can look at them. You can play with them for a little while, but they're not yours. What I know from reading this now to each one, that's what? That's all, right? To every one of us has been given a gift from the Spirit of God. Now, how many of you would feel really good today if Courtney left with your package still sitting there and never opened? I'm going back to Walmart. Save the receipt for her, but I'm going to use it for myself. The reality is, because of the time in which we're living, God has given us gifts of the Spirit of God. To each one, He's given a gift for the common good. We need these. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. And and another, distinguishing between the Spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to who? Just as he determines. Today we celebrate, we remember, we recount or recall what happened in Acts chapter 2 in that room where there was this rushing of a mighty wind. There were tongues of fire that were indicating the presence of God upon the people who were in that room. Can you imagine the results if Paul, I mean Peter doesn't stand up and say anything? 
If you continue reading in that chapter, it talks about uh, uh, thousands were added to the kingdom of God that day because of what God did through Peter, because he had a different spirit and he allowed that spirit to be used. He used that spirit to, to be used of God. We, church, we've been given a different spirit. And the reality is that spirit should produce fruit. If you were here last week, I hope this slide looks familiar. You know, sometimes there's things where the Old Testament starts to reveal itself in the New Testament. What I got to thinking about was the Israelites. And the Israelites were disappointed. Why? Because they didn't have the fruit. The fruit that God had already given them, they were disappointed they didn't have that fruit. And they began to complain with Moses and God because they didn't have the fruit that God already gave them, but they didn't choose to receive. Spirit, children of God, those living in the last days, the reality is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's, there's no law. These fruits should be evident in our lives. But I'm just not a patient person. But I don't have joy. I don't have peace. God, why won't you give me peace? God, I want peace. God, I want joy. God, I want hope. God, I want kindness. I want self-control for crying out loud. I can't ever stop my mouth. Why won't you give it to me, God? In those days, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. We all should expect the fruit of the spirit to be coming from our tree. We should expect. We don't have to know how. I mean, how many of you guys, when you plant an apple tree, you try to figure out how the apple tree comes on the tree? Have you ever stopped to think? We just planted some green beans and some tall sunflowers. Graham and I, just the other day, we're going to have 10-foot sunflowers on the side of our garage this year. Do I know how it goes from here to producing a giant sunflower that's supposed to be as big as my head? Nope. If I let it change my expectation of what's going to happen, did Grandma and I plant those, those seeds to not get fruit? Man. Ready? We put more confidence in a seed than we do the Spirit of God. We have more certainty in our garden than we do in the kingdom of God in us. How does it work? I'm, uh, I'm not 100% certain. 
But what I know is that God has promised to everyone the Spirit of God. He has promised to everyone His Spirit. In these days, He's pouring out His Spirit on all people. It's a spirit that gives gifts. It's a spirit that, 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 that produces fruit. But we're satisfied. To look just like this. What's the difference in these lights? What's the difference? He's given us the power. One of those lights has not just accessed the power, but has turned on the power. One of those lights has said, hey, this wire in me is not enough. I want that fun stuff that's coming through this wire to to go through this, this little filament to get me all worked up and agitated so I can shine brighter. It's not my way. It's his power in me. You guys can come forward. Caleb, Zerubbabel, Peter. They're just men with a different spirit. You know, this, this morning as we talk about what God has done, as we talk about even the simple analogy of Courtney with, with some presence that she can choose to receive or she can choose to not receive. It's that simple with what God has offered us. He, he has offered it to everyone. It's not just a few. It's not just the ones who are a little bit weird. He's offered his spirit to every one of us. He wants his spirit to dwell within each of us. And he wants us to yield ourselves to his spirit. That's this position where I deny myself. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but He lives in me. And I yield my way to His way. And I allow His way and His power to be what sustains me. My former superintendent, he was the head of the Assemblies of God in Nebraska, he used to say something to me. Uh, He used to believe that, that pastors couldn't burn out. He said, just doesn't make sense to him. Pastors can't burn out. And I questioned him on that. And his reality was when they're serving with the power that God has placed in them, his power doesn't run out. But oftentimes in what we do, we start to turn the light off and we start to do it our way. And we try to get enough energy going inside of us to get that filming. I dare you today, take a light bulb home with you and shake it enough or put enough energy in that light bulb. Blow on it. Remember Uncle Fester put in his mouth and he could make that light bulb light up? I challenge you today to go home and make a light bulb light up without putting it in a socket. Jim, don't you doing your tricks. We're going to wear ourselves out. You know, Christian, sometimes we're so trying so hard to do it our way. You know, Christian, sometimes we're trying to shake things so much to make that filament go. And we're missing the promise that he's given us. 
He's promised us the Spirit that will give us the power that we have need of. He's promised us His Spirit that will allow us to be effective witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's promised us His Spirit that will be sometimes gifts of knowledge. Sometimes it will be uh, words that we never dream we could say. Sometimes He might have us stand before a crowd and preach to all Jerusalem without studying a thing. But the Spirit that's inside of me. I want to be known like Caleb. I want to live with a different spirit. Father, in this place today, you know, as we talk about the gift, as we talk about the promise, as we talk about what you have done, God, I know that you desire to do that today. I know that you desire to do that in us. God, whether it's wind or tongues of fire or tongues of men, God, you desire for us to have your spirit within us. God, you you said you poured out your spirit upon us. And if we're in the way, God, I pray that we could yield ourselves. If we need to flip the switch, I pray that we could flip the switch. If we need to screw ourselves in to that socket, into that place where we're connected with the power, whatever it means, God, because you've got fruit. Fruit. all who hear will be saved. Fruit that someone who is struggling without hope can find in us. Fruit that's peace and joy. Self-control. God, help us to align ourselves with you. Help us to receive, God, the gift that you're offering in Jesus' name. I'm going to have Walton Carey lead us in a song. And there's one thing that I want to make sure to point out. The Holy Spirit just highlighted it to me again as I was praying. You know, when we talk about fruit, we're often thinking about ourselves. How many apple trees need an apple? Who needs the apple? I want me some apple pie. You know, maybe if we start thinking about the fruit that God wants to produce in us and we stop thinking about ourselves, but we start thinking about others, that's what God needs. That's what makes me effective as a witness when I'm the one that people come to because they need to find some peace or some joy or, or, or just some goodness or kindness. They come to me because that's what God's producing in me. It's not about do I have peace. It's not about do I have self-control. Fruit. There's someone who needs your fruit. This morning as they lead us, I'm going to ask you if you have a different spirit. If you say, Pastor, I don't think my spirit is different. I need to ask for God's help. I want an opportunity to be able to pray with you that God will allow His spirit to 
to, to move in you, that he'll allow his spirit to release in you, that maybe in some ways the spirit of God is, is residing in you, but you're just not yielding to what his spirit wants you to do. I want to pray as your pastor that we can see a different spirit, not because it's cool, not because it's fun, but because it's what he designed. If you have other needs today, I'll be, I'll be here to pray with you as well. But, 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 but think and, and question, God, is my spirit different? But because my servant, fill in the blank. But because my servant has a different spirit, follows me wholeheartedly. He gets all the promises. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you receive and yield to the different spirit that he's given you. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.